Hi, I'm Todd Nadenson. And I'm Lena Morgan. And we are sending off 2021. A wonderful year. It, well, it was better than the last one, I guess. And as always on Song vs. Song, we like to uh, send off the year with one of the year's songs. And in this case, we're going to do two of the year's songs. This episode, we are doing Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever versus Olivia Rodrigo's Good For You. And that's like a, all in like lower- a damn sociopath. <laughs> all in uh, lowercase letters and a, a letter four and the letter U. And, oh, and hey, we've got a guest in the house today. Uh, introduce yourself. Hey there, folks. It's Mark, the host of Spectrum Pulse. We're once again heading off the end of the year, and I can sympathize with Todd here. We're currently in the headlong rush of mass producing as much content as possible to maximize our window. Oh, yeah, it's it's the year-end rush for us YouTubers to do our year-end retrospectives. And I can only speak for myself, but uh, we hate this time of year. It's uh, training. So that is why I brought us another person on the uh, on the old podcast here to uh, do the work I didn't feel like doing. <laughs> Good work, Todd. <laughs> I probably could have didn't need a third person for this one because these songs have been pretty omnipresent in 2021. Olivia, especially. But, uh, you know, Billy, you know, we are still living in the world Billy Eilish made for the last couple of years. So I feel like this is a pretty even matchup. My original idea was to put uh, Happier Than Ever against All Too Well, all 10 minutes of it. Yeah, that one might be asking, um, it might be bait. <laughs> it would have made my life substantially harder. to. We, we yeah. will eventually do a Taylor Swift episode, I'm sure, mm. as, as soon as my co-host here can work up the courage because... I don't know, never again. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe at some point. Oh, uh, like the, the first time I we started doing this podcast, uh, my co-host here ran afoul of the Taylor stands, which is a, an experience everyone should go through. Never I just, in their lives. I, I, I just did it. No, no better. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I've only gone through it like five or six times. Once it happens, like the second or third time you get used to it. Hooray. Uh, <laughs> we may piss off the Billy stands. At some point also, and the Olivia stands too. Mm, like, yeah, boy, we are treading on thin ice here. <laughs> like, this is why we're never doing a Nicki, <laughs> Nicki Minaj episode, because I fear those people so much. Oh, come on. You don't want to do the Nicki and Cardi conversation that was driven into the dr- ground three years ago? We already did a Cardi episode, and we did put her against Lizzo, so. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, boy. But here we are. Right into the thin ice. Let's let's fall right into the cold water as quickly as possible and die. Here we, we go. Have, N- we, pneumonia hour. We have two major breakup songs of the year by two very, very young women. They have dominated this year. Who is your pick? Mark, we're going to put you right on the hot seat. Which of these two songs do you prefer? Let me start by saying I think both of these songs are good to great. Okay. I like both of these songs. Going to hedge off the stands right away. I feel like I need to establish this given I've reviewed both of their albums. So Mm -hmm. I will say, though, I'm taking Olivia Rodrigo. Good for you. Oh, I did not see that coming. Yeah. Well, what about you, Lena? I'm going to take the opposite end. Um, I started um, with Olivia as my pick, and then I listened to both of these songs several thousand more times, as I do. Uh, and then I landed on Billy Osh, and we'll get into why as time progresses. I abstain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
you can ju- you can judge our arguments and then d- and then say which one did a better job. Keeping in mind that I am your podcast partner and Mark has a larger <laughs> reach in the music community. You're fucked either way. Enjoy. <laughs> I think these both these songs are good, very good. I am not ready to uh, crown Olivia king princess of uh, you know everything right away yet. I don't know. Like I Olivia debuted this year well i mean I, I guess she may have put out some other like minor disney stuff before this year but she had her big pop debut this year it blew up and pretty much everyone went absolutely nuts for her especially people our age which was yeah. very strange it's not it's actually not strange at all i struggle with olivia a little bit because i am in my mid-30s <laughs> yeah but then so is uh uh is her sort of partner, right? Daniel uh, Negro? Daniel am I Negro. saying that? Is that I, saying that name I right? certainly hope so. I look, <laughs> it's the way it's spelled. It, I, you know, if it's wrong, I apologize. I'm not trying to say an, a, a word with the, you know, it's not, I'm not attempting the homophone here. Um, yeah. Anyway, the point is uh, he is almost my age. I looked it up. He was born in 82. So he's only two years younger than me. And so I think that's probably the reason why a lot of this album sounds the way that it does. I think that um, some of that that like late '90s, early 2000s, like sort of power pop punk, is coming through because of him. I think in no small part. Well, I can absolutely believe that Olivia Rodrigo likes that kind of mid 2000s pop punk that is good for you. But uh, the album opener, "Brutal," that sounds like it comes from a sound older than Olivia herself. Yeah, like that's that's a little further back. That's 90s, very 90s. And uh, I I like that one more than I like her breakup songs, which have been her, you know, her entire year. Basically, I've heard many people, including a couple of the comments, say that uh, Sour, Olivia's album, is the new generation's Jagged Little Pill. Mm, I I would disagree with that. I think Jagged Little Pill is doing a little bit more, or at least was trying to, at least in the 90s. Um, Sour, to me, feels very... When I reviewed it, the comment that I said is that it's not... It's partially targeted at me, but also is going to resonate and hit so much harder with a younger demo. It's going to play in the same way that, like... Riot did in like 2007 from to make the obvious Paramore comparison. It's going to play in the same way that Let Go or Under My Skin did from Avril Lavigne in the early 2000s. Like it's targeting that demo more specifically. And I, yeah, it's one note, but I also kind of think that's part of its appeal. Like I don't rip on Andrew WK for being one note. <laughs> I mean, you could. I, you, you wouldn't be the only person who's ever done that. You're right. Then they've been wrong. Yeah. I um I don't know. I mean, I it's yeah, it's, it's sort of hard to judge if you're in your forties, as I am, um, to to try and judge whether or not a thing is the new jagged little pill. It doesn't really feel like my business. Um, I couldn't really answer it. It could be. Um it was interesting because I saw people talking about um this album versus um Happier Than Ever. And I saw somebody saying that they thought that Happier Than Ever was better, and I disagree completely I, as an album i think that sour is more cohesive um and i think happier than ever feels like you know i mean I, i've watched uh, billy and, and phineas talk about it and they've talked about how it's like a buffet which i think is true i think it's them playing with a lot of different styles some of them work and some of them don't 
it feels to me like a pandemic album. Like they were like, let's just fuck around and find out and see how it plays. Um, and I think, again, the stuff that works, works great. But I, would I say it feels like a cohesive album? No, I personally, I would not. See, I would actually argue with that because my I've heard Happier Than Ever, and I actually think it is better than Sour. I think it's I it's not in terms of sonically cohesive outside of that very low key vibe that Billy's always cultivated. I think, though, thematically, it feels more cohesive in terms of the ideas and the tangled breakup narrative that half of it is referring to some guy and half of it's referring to the music industry at large and her own personal neuroses around that factor. I agree with you that it's a pandemic album. But it's a pandemic from album from someone who forces her her ex to sign an NDA wherever he comes and goes out of the house. Yeah, I hate that. Uh, <laughs> that does that does not work for me. Um, but what I will say again, the tracks that work really work for me. When I after listening to that album a couple of times, my big takeaway was her and Phineas have been such they've been so entwined in each other for so long that, uh, you know, Phineas goes off and produces other people's stuff. He's got his own material. I got to the end of that album, I think after the fourth or fifth listen, I was like, the next album Billy puts out, I hope she does without him, honestly, just for just one time. Do one album with another producer, get out of that, like, because I think she's getting close to go into a rut where you just do the same thing over and over again. I think it's better to go learn something with somebody else for a little while and then come back. That's my opinion. That's a, you know, that's a conceit, but I think it's a healthy one. You know, it's a fascinating thing. I have heard more than a few people call happier than ever. Dare I say it? The flop era. <sighs> oh, I don't wouldn't go that far. That feels it's like not, a really I don't that feels agree. like a really strong statement. I just think yeah. that it, it feels like an album where the two of them said, "Let's try a little bit of everything." And when you do that, I think you do run the risk of losing a certain sonic cohesiveness. And I think that's what happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, like I, I'm trying to think. I, I definitely watched uh, the Young Melons uh, YouTube uh, video reviewing the album. And I think that he and I were a little bit more of a, of a piece on that. But I think he had a, more negative things to say than I ultimately would have. For but yeah, happier just, than ever? Yeah. yeah. Whereas Sour, again, like maybe it's less interesting overall. But I don't know, like the way I felt about like, uh, I don't know, Dookie. Right. Great album. You can just listen to it straight through like really fun. A lot of a lot of fun, interesting ideas, like not sure that anything is like speaking on to me, speaking to me on the deepest of deep levels. But I'm I, I'm entertained. I'm deeply satisfied by it. You know, like I think it, it, it hits more that kind of a style for me. And that's what makes it kind of great. What song are you arguing for again? Again, <laughs> we haven't got, we're talking, now, right we're now we're talking we're, about we're, the albums. We, yeah, we, we haven't got, even gotten to the specific songs. We got mm. sidetracked here. No, I think is this that, is important. I think you have to, you have to sit and talk about albums as a whole before you can really hone in on the, on the, on the individual songs. But let's talk about them then. Um, right. Do you want to yeah. talk about uh, Good For You first? Sure. Um, good For You, here's my frustration that I comes with Olivia Rodrigo's album as a whole, but specifically it comes out most evident on good for you. God, I wish it went harder. I agree. I agree. It should be heavier than it is. It's trying to be heavy, but it always feels like it's holding itself back from really going off in the way that it should be. Part of this is that we, a bunch of us, we grew up in the nineties and two thousands. We know what that sound is. We know what she's trying to do and we have the immediate comparison of what she's trying to do. But 
the groove, the guitars don't have the explosiveness that they should. Uh, the groove is excellent. I think the groove on that song is fantastic. And that's arguably what holds me back to it. But I'm not going to lie for about half of this year. I was predominantly listening to a mashup version of this song of good for you and misery business. Yeah. I listened to it too, right before we went, we went into the episode. Um, here's it's a great mashup. That, it is fantastic. The thing that really jumped out at me and my, my biggest criticism of the song that isn't the actual, the second biggest, here we go. Um, mm-hmm. Would would be the fact that um, that's a drum machine, isn't it? And if it isn't, it sounds like one. Yep. Um, I, I think the percussion is at least partially programmed, and it really feels like it. It's the weakest part of the song for me. It's the thing that really detracts. I think the I think the bass line is great. I think that they chose a. Um, I don't think it's as bassy as it could be. I think they didn't want it to get muddy sounding because it it plays such a prominent part, especially at the beginning of the track. But that also kind of. Um, pulls away from some of the the heavy heaviness that it could have had that might have improved the track a little bit more. Mm. I think it's funny we're we're tagging Olivia with the the drum machine versus Billy who records everything in her bedroom with her brother. We'll we'll get there, but I think we should have a conversation about what lo-fi bedroom pop looks like now versus how it looked even ten years ago. That's true. Or sounds like it. I think that that song "Good for You" starts out great. I love the beginning. Um, I love that it starts with the bass line. I love those harmonized ahs. I think that that stuff really sets the tone. You know, I think that without that, how would I feel about the song? I don't know. And then the the guitar, some of the guitar lines have, I think they're using like a phaser pedal or something that's meant to sound like that. And I think that that sounds great too. Some of the uh, guitar lines that come later in the song, there's some great sort of like there's a nice airy quality to it. Um, so all that stuff works great. I really love the sound of her voice. I think really works on the track. I, I listen. This is this is going to be the divisive thing I say. I wasn't paying attention to the lyrics until I sat down and read them. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I What's like. Your I pro- sat, here's here's what it was. I sat down. I read the lyrics and and what I thought was. And this will also sort of date me. Um, you know, people are saying jagged little pill, and I was like, this reads like the uh, dramatic reading of a breakup letter that I heard on You're the Man Now, dog. You know, <laughs> like you, you literally could have had a part where like there could have been a you make me touch your hands for stupid reasons that could have been in this track. That's how it sounds to me. Well, here's the thing I've noticed about Olivia. I read, I remember her saying once, you know, I was like, this is so different from my acting job because I'm a songwriter and songwriters have to do the truth and, you know, versus acting, which is all fake. She definitely approaches all her songs like an acting job, like a dramatic monologue. Like you can see the expressions on her face just by the way she delivers everything. Like the fake laugh when she says, good for you. I like that about her. I can see how, you might think she's overdoing it because she certainly does it more than, you know, flat affect Billy, certainly. But she does it in the same way that Ariana Grande does, where I think there is that level of acting prowess, given that she came from Disney. And that also that can serve as a strength as it allows her to play up some of the theatricality. And it means that when she s- says that someone's a fucking sociopath, there's a part of me that's like, oh, it's adorable. But also I'm like. Okay, I, I kind of felt it. I was I was kind of into the mood. And when she says that the therapist I found you, she really helped. And like there is some of there's some of those lines that jump out to me that it has the right inflection to be sold well. 
at the same time, though, you can tell where the you can tell that, again, maybe it's the Disney connection that prevents her from getting just a little bit harsher, just a little bit closer to the Chloe Moriandos or the Slothrist of the world or the Charlie Adams of the world, the indie pop pop rock artists who are playing in this lane and who will get rougher. I think that's right. Um, I think it's interesting that we're talking about this acting thing and and um, the la- last week's episode of Saturday Night Live Billie Eilish both hosted and was the musical guest. And what I learned from that was Billie Eilish is not a good actor. Nope. <laughs> um, if, it, if it's pre-recorded, she's fine, perfectly serviceable. But when they were doing the live stuff, she just gets so inside of her own head, which sort of serves as, I think, weirdly a benefit for her because it, 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 it not as an actor, but as a singer, it sort of proves the authenticity, that thing that people care so much about. I don't think that if she... If she wasn't believing the things that she was seal- she was singing about, I don't think she would be able to fake it, right? I think she's yeah. I think that she's a very genuine person, and the fact that she's not a good actor sort of <laughs> proves just how genuine she actually uh, I think is. And um, I watched an interview where Billie Eilish talked about going to therapy every week and how it helped her as a as a writer. Uh, and what I thought was, you know. Um, this song that, that she's put out, this album, it sounds like somebody who goes to therapy every week. It's a song written by someone who goes to therapy. Good for you is the therapy. That's a, I get what you mean by that. Like Hmm. this is, um, it does seem like Olivia is trying to exercise some demons there. Yeah. Like she, she may, she may be holding back a a little bit because of the, the Disney connection or whatever the reason is, but you know, it doesn't really matter if it's Disney or not. I do think that as a person, she's not quite going to the extremes that some of the other artists you named, uh, Mark would go to. But, uh, yeah, I do think that she is letting out a lot of feelings, um, through the music rather than, you know, going to therapy first and then writing down the lyrics afterwards. It doesn't feel like there's that filter at all. You know what I mean? Ironic you say that because I'm looking at the genius annotations for uh, Happier Than Ever right now. And the first line and what she says about the song, Happier Than Ever, probably the most therapeutic song I've ever written or recorded. Don't tell me I'm wrong about things, Mark. It's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, no, I, I think it, I think it could be both. Um, I, agree. I I think that, you know, uh, you know, as somebody who goes to therapy every week, I think that, you know, the two things kind of go go hand in hand. Right. She went to therapy. She wrote the song the two of them worked together. It's like, it's like if you have depression, like you take a medication and you also go to therapy and the two things together help you. But yeah, to me, uh, good for you just feels like it's completely like I didn't go to therapy. So I'm just going to like pour this whole thing out into this song to deal to cope with whatever it is that I'm going through. Um, and yes, I think as a result, I think it has weaker lyrics. I think happier than ever has much is much stronger lyrically. Well, what's your main objection with the lyrics? Because I can tell you right now, a wound in salt has bothered me the entire time. Like that's that's not the expression. No, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's salt in the wound. I so I feel bad because I don't want to say like a damn sociopath because uh, s- someone we know who <laughs> left a comment. We'll get, we'll get to um, the comments. But that but that certainly is uh, that certainly is one of the things that I'm not particularly a fan of, just because I think that that term gets. Uh, overused. It feels amateurish. It does. It just uh, on the whole, you know, and like and and look, Billy does not get away unscathed uh, from me. At least the "Do you read my interviews?" line makes me just want to like 
slap myself in the face until I've forgotten it. It's the only line I don't really like. I just, I, it's just really like sounds like it really makes the first world problems of a, of a multi-millionaire 19 <laughs> year old, like kind of get under my skin personally. I, I'm sure that that's not, not everybody or maybe even not many people feel that way, but like it just feels so out of step with the rest of the song. Everything else feels like it speaks to everybody. Do you read my interviews feel so specific in a way that's too specific in my opinion. I call that the don't let me get me problem. Like yeah. Whenever a, a, an artist gets too much, gets a little too personal about things no one can relate to. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, there's something about that that I kind of like, if anything, because it, it gives the artist that added little sense of identity. I, I love Don't Let Me Get Me. I'm a huge I've been a huge pink fan for years. Um, don't don't get me started about the dreck she put out this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, she really needs to hang it up. It's not that she needs to realize she was an inspiration to so much pop punk or pop rock in the 2000s. A lot of women jumped on thanks to a lot of what she did. And she should take more of like the elder statesman role in that in that position. Like it shouldn't be that Avril Lavigne has more success in that lane than she does. (laughs) Truly the Billy versus Olivia of the 40 year old set. Yeah. (laughs) How dare you? Uh, What I like again to, to go back to good for you a little bit is some of like it's not a complex song but I do appreciate some of the chord progression because she's doing it's like an F sharp minor and there's like a like a C sharp 7 like a D to a C sharp 7 uh and there that is I actually think so, like as far as progressions go pretty interesting like I like that there are these sort of a- atypical chords that you wouldn't necessarily hear from a, a super simple pop punk song whereas uh and actually no i think that that um, happier than ever has a lot of interesting stuff too also that like it starts with it's basically two different songs which is both a benefit and a detriment yeah the song kind of feels like it's been stitched together like you can clearly tell that these were two pieces that they had to try to make marry at some point that which seems to be becoming a thing right now with a lot of modern pop and a lot of trap too which is really annoying it feels like the ideas roughly work together, but I'm not sure it pays off the crescendo as well as it could, especially at the back half. I So, all right, this is sort of the question that I've been going back and forth on a lot, right? It started out as, did it make sense for them to stitch these two songs together, or should they both have been fleshed out enough to be their own separate tracks? That was my starting place. That's what I thought. And then I caught uh, an interview with Phineas where he was talking about the fact that they put an edit out that was just the back half, just the second half of the song. And they asked him why. And he said, well, you know, I want, you know, if people want instant gratification, who am I to deny them? (laughs) But I find it. But then he said very coyly, which is exactly what I would have said. uh, It's not performing anywhere near as well as the whole song. And that makes sense to me because I actually think that as it stands, each half needs the other completely. Neither can exist on its own. I think there's an argument to be made that the second half could have been fleshed out to be a whole song. I'm not sure that that first half was ever going to be a truly great song on its own. To me, like this is, there's no way you can separate these two. I can't imagine a song that's just the back half of Happier Than Ever. I really can't. So I actually, I actually agree that the song kind of makes sense as the two of them fuse together. 
I think my frustration point comes that I think the transition in between them is a is a little clunky. But I also think it my issue with this it's me doing music nerd bullshit. Um, I hate how the guitars sound on the second half. Oh, it, same. I'm so feel, relieved. Does it feel mixed wrong? Yes. Is that? Yes, it feels it's so, mixed. It's so muddy. It's it's just everything's peaking so hard, and it's not a mistake. I know for a fact that this is Phineas's intention. He likes doing that, and I do not. I think that it just drowns out so much of what's actually happening that it just it just sounds like mud. It drives me crazy. If if happier than ever doesn't make my best list when I start working on that, that'll be why. Same. Uh, I, I feel like that feels like a minor objection to me, but it does bother me. I don't like how it sounds. It drives me crazy because there's so many other like it's the one thing about Phineas's production arsenal that doesn't make sense because I think he's one of the few producers who could get someone like Billie Eilish's voice to sound really good. Like she's got a very tricky sound and approach to her singing like in comparison. I've seen a lot of people try to rip her off and everyone, every producer I've seen try to rip her off. And you get in somebody who just does not have the understanding of the complexities that come with singing softly and how to project well into the microphone and how you don't want to have certain parts peaking at really awkward moments. And I like how Phineas has such a good command of negative space within the mix. My favorite song on Happier Than Ever is NBA, simply because it does such weird twisting things in that song. And that's just it just sounds so cool. But my big issue is that he tries to produce a rock guitar. There's no groove there. It's just this wall of sound, but it's a wall of sound that's not produced to sound big. It's produced to sound full. Yeah, it just uh, it just sounds muddy to me. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he does really interesting stuff again. Like, you know, when I said, like, what is lo-fi bedroom pop mm-hmm. sound like now? I mean, the answer is whatever the fuck Phineas wants it to sound like. He really <laughs> is. He's the guy, right, um, to me, or at least one of them. And um, he's good. Like, he's, you know, he's that guy that'll say, like, I wanted, you know, this song has an element that there's, like, fire imagery in the lyrics. So I decided that I was going to, not this song, but a different one. Uh, so we, we took a, I sampled the sound of, like, of, of a match, and I turned that into a percussive track, Right. That's like textbook, you know, like bedroom sampling, like figuring out how to do something like that. But he does it really well. I do think that that's his strength. But I think he got I think he got so big so quick um, that somebody is not occasionally there to go like, hey, man, this just sounds like crap. (laughs) Like there was like somebody should have been there to be like, this is you've 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 turned the gain up so high. It's so noisy that I can't really hear what's happening and there i know there's good stuff in there and billy eilish i actually like yes her voice is interesting but um i know that people you know she doesn't like people talking about her body i won't talk about it in a sexual way i promise she does have a singer's body though whenever you're able to see the shape of it she has like a really big rib cage like she's got like she's very like she's a little bit wider on top than the average person is and i think she must have the strongest lungs on the planet because she's so good at sustaining notes. And especially when you're doing that in a way that's very quiet, almost whispery in places. It's hard. That's as, as somebody oh, with asthma, so it absolutely yeah. wrecks me. I can't sing like her at all for a billion reasons. But one of them is that. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I just think that that's one of the great strengths of her is that she's a strong lyricist. But I, I think that way that that kind of control, that vocal control that she has and the body that's like housing that control is really incredible. 
I've seen her live. I saw her at a festival in 2019. Uh, she's yeah. she is. Were at, you in the documentary? Um, <laughs> far enough away that I was, and I was working press at that at that festival too. Um, the the one thing that I noticed with her is that she sounds as good live as she does on record, which is amazing. But also, again, it's a sign of that level of vocal control and training. And it, which why one reason I was trying to give that blown out end a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Because the first half of the song is so controlled. It's so it's so much of I'm I'm pacing myself, I'm walking through my feelings. But as it gets to the end and she starts trying to scream a little bit more, I, I don't think it's an impressive scream. I've heard more impressive screams this year. But at the same time, she does, like, maybe as the song breaks apart, that's when she's feeling the true expansive emotion when she screams that, you made me hate this city. He, 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 he. Okay, oh, so. I'm what's gonna, going on I, here? It's time. Well, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I, I just, so, like, I was, I wanted to kind of, like, go back and forth and talk about some of the, the, the stuff, like, at least as far as, like, chord progression is concerned. I like the like it's there's nothing super complicated about happier than ever right like especially like that that once it gets heavier it's just it's a c to a e seventh to an a minor to an f but then a, occasionally with the minor and the thing is it may not be complex but i i love it it's perfect right like if you're doing what is basically four chords the way in which they very subtly just added a little something to it works really well but the reason why uh todd was laughing is because the real reason that i picked uh this song over good for you is because i've come up with a new metric uh by which i judge songs and it is thus if a song can inspire me to very quickly write a parody lyric about my cat it instantly wins okay that's it and and that I think that's true. Well, look, I, look what I think that really means, as as silly as that sounds, is just if a song inspires you to be creative, I think that's a good sign for that song. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that speaks well of it. Um, in particular, just because you said the 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 that line uh, about um, you know I never treat myself this shitty. You made me hate this city. A great lyric um, made me go. Have you no fucking pity? Why won't you feed this kitty? Um, which I'm very proud about. Um, and I literally, like, I, I did less of the the quiet part, and I did a full lyric for the entire um, heavier half of the song, which included a, a lot of a lot of bangers. I'm, like, trying to remember what was in there. It's really dumb. At some point, I might have, I can't sing like this. If I can find somebody who can sing anywhere near as good or like Billie Eilish, I'll have somebody uh, sit and do the, the, the lyrics for it. But like, I don't know. I think there's actually were, a part, uh, there's a part in here where it's like, uh, him screaming at the door, telling me to stop podcasting with my shitty friend. That's you, Todd. Uh, <laughs> oh, and yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you forgot to, you, for the, for the record, Lena warned me before the, the podcast that this was entitled hungrier than ever, hungrier than ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, like after the why when you feed this kitty, because you know she she sings about the internet, right? And I was like, well, that's a direct yeah. lift. So mm-hmm. I was like, I can't stop you talking shit on the internet. You keep on tweeting that I'm fucking fat. Post pictures on <laughs> Facebook of me while I'm sleeping. Learn how to log off and feed your fucking cat. Uh, you know, like oh. it's it's fun. 
It's fun. And it literally ends with like, do it, you horrible bum. <laughs> you have opposable thumbs. No <laughs> okay, jokes about my bad mood. <laughs> Just fucking give me my food. You get it. Anyway, it's great. Okay. It's, great. it's, it's an instant classic. Don't you, don't you okay me? I, I'm an artist. <laughs> don't waste the time we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right here and right now that uh, I believe that the Song vs. Song fan base is going to come out <laughs> against you on that one, sir. I didn't say anything. Did I say anything? I caught you. You think I don't know. You ain't that slick. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. We, we've, we've talked about the, the composition and the production and the singing. The important thing is who hurt the most feelings writing about their shitty ex. Oh, I don't give a shit. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> that's what that's what our audience cares about. I'm fairly certain. Are you know? That's what what the all the 18 year old girls are are you know? They clearly uh, follow yes, us. All of our 18 year old fans who care yeah. what 41 year old I mean, me. Like, this is, I, I'm sure people like chords and you know good vocals also but like this is a, these are breakup songs and the point of the breakup song is to really hurt the people the person you're angry at who do you uh, think did the more da- did more damage because these are hurtful songs billy did more, billy did more damage. i'm not i would not deny that in the slightest yeah. billy did way more damage in my opinion i agree i agree completely i think that again because <sighs> she has an economy of lyric i think right yeah that's the reason why she can sustain a word for so long, right? And even just the yeah. sustaining of words, I think, can be damaging in and of itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like a damn sociopath really does stand out. It's like such, a, such, such, such a bad lyric versus, yeah, like, yeah, I'd never treat me this shitty. You made me hate this city is a is a sledgehammer. In, in some defense of Olivia here, it is always that kind of shitty feeling when your ex is doing fine without you with a, you know, with all the work you did on them, they, they get to walk away with that. And someone else gets to enjoy the work you did. There's a, there's a decent parks and rec episode about this. Yeah. Look, here's what, what I'll say. I know what you're talking my, about. My, <laughs> in, in the end, all I can say is you ruined everything. Good. Always said you were misunderstood, made all my moments your own. Just fucking leave me alone. I do believe that this 19-year-old multimillionaire is beginning to say some things that I can relate with. (laughs) I was just like, yes, I understand that. Just that feeling of like, I, it's not, it's not even like that I despise you. I just want you to go away. Don't ever darken my doorstep again (laughs) is a very like, yeah, like, you know, when you listen to Olivia Rodrigo's lyrics on "Good for You," it's like that stuff reads like, yeah. If I was if I was a teenager, this would really slap. This would really connect with me. No matter how old I get, I think I will like some of these lyrics and "Happier Than Ever" will always land. You know, people say that Billie Eilish is 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 very mature for her age. I don't know her. I can't speak to that. But lyrically speaking, I think that those that those lyrics connect no matter how old you are. And so by that metric, if we're saying which one is more damaging, it's got to be that one. Yeah, the the Olivia Rodrigo song is, and really much of the album kind of comes off like a bit of a tantrum. It is. And there's nothing there's, wrong there, with that, by the way. No, no, no. It should be very clear. It's a very good there's version bravery, of it. Like she's, yeah, she's not afraid to uh, 
look bad, let's say. Mm-hmm. Which, it, again, is, uh, I think, where the, uh, the Jagged Little Pill comparisons come from. To just let it all out and, you know, if it's a little embarrassing or if the, you know, we, the result is flawed, you know, just go with that because it's, you know, the honest feeling at the moment. See, that's the thing. I think the one thing that I appreciate a little bit more about Olivia Rodrigo is that she's got a little less dignity. And <laughs> yes. And but that feels <laughs> that is a good thing. But that kind of feels a little bit more authentic for as theatrical as her leanings are. And that was the thing that pushed me out of a song like Traitor, which I never got into. And but I hear this and it to me, this feels like it's sloppy in ways that don't feel focus grouped or they feel like they're less tasteful. And that works for me. I like the spots that are that that have that moments where the, the on the second verse, you've got the line. Good for you. It's like you never even met me. Remember when you swore to God I was the only person that ever got you will screw that and screw you. <laughs> you will never have to hurt the way you know that I do like there's something so. Something so, 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 yeah, just such great Fred Durst level lyrics. It's such simple plan esque lyrics. <laughs> yes, and that too. But I mean that as partially, partially as a compliment because as much as as much as simple plan is so easy to rag on, and as a Canadian, I can rag on them. As an American, I can also rag on them. Fair enough. But at the same time, the <laughs> the one thing I realized with that is that I think there is a level of authenticity that it comes from getting as blunt as it as it gets like this and i think that's where good for you works for me and again i think the one thing that really helps i think the groove and the hook on the song is really good i mean what well, you you brought up avril like avril hit all the same notes for me too like skater boy is an is a great song it is an embarrassing song yep. but it's an embarrassing song that only like a real teenager could have written mm-hmm which is why so if anything this doesn't remind me of skater boy this is more uh um happy ending my happy ending. Yeah, my happy ending. Oh, her best song. Or her. <laughs> I don't know. If we can have this conversation because we. I think you and I both have deeper knowledges of Taylor of uh, Avril Lavigne. Because I my <laughs> my favorite of hers is I'm with you. So. Well, these are both her least embarrassing big hits. I feel like like the ones you can be like an adult and say you like this song and you, no one laughs at you for getting into teenage shit. I still like hot from her from my best damn thing. So. Oh. I think this came up when we when we did our Avril uh, episode. Wow, that's that's something that is not something you can say without being embarrassed. So I put Machine Gun Kelly. I put Machine Gun Kelly on my favorite albums of 2020, and he's going to make my list of my favorite songs of 2021. I have I have no shame left. I I understand. I I agree. My ex's best friend slaps. <laughs> it really does. Yes, it does. <laughs> I don't know when you have Travis Barker uh, at your hand, it's it's kind of like a cheat code. But that ties back to what Lena was saying. Like when the drum, the drums and the kick behind, honestly, both of these songs could afford to be stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know that's that's sort of the uh, the, the mistake I think that Phineas makes um, in the production when he's adding all of that extra muddiness, all that extra overdrive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's in place of what should have been there instead, which is exactly like that. There's that kick, that knee, like that bass drum, you know what I mean? Like where, if that was there, if that was more present, I think it would have balanced out what it was that he was trying to fill with that added noise. Do you think the kids care though? Do the kids care? I mean, like, do they consciously care? 
Yeah. I mean, probably not, but like, do they subconsciously? Like, when you're listening to music, you may not, just because you don't think it in the front of your brain, doesn't mean that the back isn't thinking it. But I bring it up more specifically because we we're older, we've got the comparison points. Like, we can look back to the 90s and 2000s and know exactly what these are drawing from, which I think is the strength that comes with being a little bit older and lo- being able to look at all the trends and the soul that irony that's coming in a wave for all of us to consume us all. Um, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. When you listen to something like Pearl Jam's Ten, and then you look at and you listen to Pearl Jam's Ten when they completely remixed it, do you think when you were first listening to Pearl Jam's Ten that you gave a shit about the fact that like it maybe was not as clean as it should have sounded as it does sound in the remaster? I heard Pearl Jam's Ten when I was like nineteen, twenty years old, and my music. Oh, uh, my- okay. See, I was, I was, I was, I was like twelve. I bought, it, I got it like when it came out. No, but you make a good point because I remember I was a huge symphonic metal kid. So I listened to a lot of like Within Temptation and Nightwish. And those early Within Temptation albums were mixed like shit. And going back to the now, it, it there's a part of me that, yeah, it doesn't sound as good as it could. But also, oh, my God, those compositions are incredible. And I will still uh, they will still abide. Yeah, I, I, I think sort of the same thing, right? Like I'm not I can't, I'm trying to remember how much I cared about the fact that the early Metallica albums were produced like shit like i don't know how much it really mattered to me because you know at the time they were fucking metallica um Man. and were incredible at that point and justice now, for all they feel a little differently and justice for all wasn't great at the time either <laughs> no no well oh boy well my 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 teenage self is like the, reeling but yeah. i don't think you're wrong the teenagers don't care they don't like i, I you like this, Subcon- this drop, subconsciously, like, Todd, they they ha- you do you care a little bit. Your brain may it may not matter that much. You might be drowned out by the fact that something rocks really hard. Or there's a lyric that really speaks to you. But I think that no matter what, you know, if you're musically inclined at all, some part of you intrinsically is going to be aware if something is mixed or produced badly. Like, well, how how long ago did this album drop? Like three months ago, four months ago, something like that. And like I said, I had already heard people starting to talk flop era. I don't agree, but I'd heard people saying that. And then the album dropped. And I know a lot of people were not like super thrilled with that album, but my entire feed and, you know, the the stand forums I go to erupted in joy for the title track. They were like, we're not like super thrilled with this album, but like happier than ever. Like this is going to be like a defining hit for her. And I think they're probably correct. There's a, there's a half hour uh, compilation video on YouTube of people just re- reacting for the first time to the turn, <laughs> which is a bit, which is absolutely astonishing to watch. It's really wild to watch people freak out. You know, like like young teenagers, like just like sobbing from the intense reaction that they have to it. You know, yeah, I I think that well, it's hard to like. Okay, so like that is kind of a big question, a legacy question. Good for you versus happier than ever. Which one of these songs do we think is going to remain synonymous with the artist more? I think that's really tough to tell because um, that's really tough. I think with Olivia Rodrigo, she has kind of she has one lane right now. I'm waiting to see her to have some dimensionality um, because mm-hmm. now to give her some credit on the back half of Sour, there's moments where she's a little bit more introspective. And I think that helps her realizing that, OK, I kind of screwed this relationship too. this wasn't really all on. This really wasn't all on him. And I'm going to find some clarity going forward. And I think that helps the album a little bit. But the album is also very much a single self-contained arc, whereas Billy's music's never felt self-contained to me. How, how so? 
Um, for me, like the one thing that, especially on Happier Than Ever, it feels very sprawling. It feels like there's a lot of ideas in which she's exploring. Again, uh, Lena described it as a buffet. I think that's true. But I also think that it's kind of more reflective of the of a human experience where as as self-contained and theatrical as you have that, you can chunk that out. A sprawling, complicated, more lifelike album doesn't easily chunk itself out. That's why I always really dislike people calling the Billie Eilish album a flop era album because it clearly was not written with singles in mind. No, definitely not. This was an album that was built in order to try to say something or try to come to a position. I don't think it fully does, which holds it back a little bit for me. But I'll admit I like it more than her debut. And I think that there's enough ideas that are left that are left fallow that she can expand on going forward. I'll certainly say this in someone taking a very Gen Z approach to her career. I'd liked it way more than what Lord tried. Interesting. I do. I, I absolutely agree with, with you saying that I think that because of what she's, she's, she's put a lot of seeds in the ground with this album. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what I hear that she's going to be able to grow out a lot of different things. That's actually part of why it is that I, I kind of want her to, to try working with different producers to sort of like, okay, like let me pick one of these and see what I can grow out of it. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, you know, who, like if you were going to have Billie Eilish team up with a different producer, who would it be? And we both thought of the same person, which blew my mind. And it's not an obvious one at all. We both want her to make an album with Missy Elliott. What? Think Whoa. about it. Hmm. Think about that idea for a second. It's, it's for her, I want it to be Missy for Olivia, I want Olivia to work with um, Travis Barker. I kind of actually like. I kind of want Shirley Manson and Butch Vig to come in and work with her. Would be really interesting um, because I think that uh, some of like, I think it would it would kind of like tighten up some of the ideas that Olivia has, and it would give her like a chance to be heavier. By the way, like talking about the idea of her going a little bit heavier would be really interesting, but still produced right because Butch Vig is very big on production. Um, so yes, as you've seen, I, I've, I've been thinking about this maybe a little too much. I'm not sure the garbage <laughs> idea, uh, the garbage idea has legs to it, especially as Shirley Manson and Butch Vig are both active and they put out a garbage album this year. And it's actually a great album, by the way. I actually really liked uh, it personally. I think it's a little long, but I like a lot of the ideas on display. The one that jumped out at me, and if it wasn't for the fact that I think that it was a missed opportunity, I would love to see her with Trent Reznor and Hatticus Ross. Oh gosh, yeah, but, like, yeah, what, would be amazing. But the problem is, when they worked with Halsey this year, it just uh, didn't quite work. I disagree. Okay, interesting. I, I, th- I thought that album was, at the very, very least, interesting. I didn't think it was a failure by any means. I kind of thought it was. I was hoping for something that was going to be way heavier, and it felt very. I felt it was approaching a lot of ideas, but never coalesced on them. Yeah, I um. Yeah, I, as far as garbage is concerned, I was trying to go back and look at the um, the track, but I remember when they put out Wolves as a single. But single, I mean, they put it on Spotify before they put it on the whole album. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a long album. Yeah. You know, I mean, like if you sit down and look, it goes a little bit longer than perhaps it needs to. But there are a bunch of individual tracks, and I think more work than than don't, which tell me that you know I still think they have something to offer and something to pass down to another generation. And yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is that makes me go like, man, imagine like Missy and, and Timbaland like coming in and being like, let's make a record with Billy. Like imagine what that would sound like, how interesting that would be. See my flip with the Billy specifically, I was thinking Jeff Basker or someone who is a little bit more on the bombastic indie side, I think could do really interesting things with her voice, but also not blow it out. I don't want Greg Kirsten anywhere near her, but I think like 
Jeff Basker or even like even the hip hop producers who are known for getting a little bit more jagged and experimental. And there's a couple. That's of, who I was thinking, honestly, like get LP in there. Who's ever made makes Frank Ocean's albums. Which I guess that's Frank Ocean does most of his. You know who would be good with Billy Tyler? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a, like an easy thing because she, she's always said, you know, Frank and Tyler were big inspirations for her. But like that, that's what it seems to me. You know, it's it, during this conversation, I just kind of realized that this moment in time, 2021, is probably the last moment that anyone will think to compare Billy with Olivia because I, I see them going in very, very different directions. I agree completely. Can I say one thing that I'm very grateful for? I am so happy that the Billy comparisons have have departed from the Lana Del Rey comparisons. Oh, yeah, uh, same. I am. So, I was sick of that. And I had to review two Lana Del Rey albums this year. <laughs> you know, it's very fascinating because, Dis- you know, Olivia is the big Disney star. And you can only imagine her going into more pop direction versus Billy, who she got everything she wanted. That's so great. It really is. And I can only imagine her going into stranger directions. I don't think she would mind if she never had a hit again. I would agree. So, yeah. Have her work with Bjork. There you go. (laughs) See, I have mixed opinions on that because Bjork's been spending a lot of time with Arca and I just reviewed four Arca albums and all in a row. Um, That was, I just want, I want like a medulla kind of album though from, from Billie Eilish where like she just uses her body sounds to make a whole record. (laughs) That would be really cool too. And Bjork actually can, Bjork actually hires good like mixers and engineers. Like that could be really cool. That I would get into. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that Olivia will continue to be a far more mainstream artist and not in a bad way by any stretch. Like that's the thing. Like when I listened to Sour, I thought this is good, but I I'm excited to see what she does next. And I am always excited to see what Billie Eilish does next. I think that she's so, so incredibly talented. And I think she's got such a really interesting voice um, in, in every meaning of the word. But yeah, I mean, like, I, it just, I, I listened to Happier Than Ever and I thought, you know, she desperately needs like that Tom Petty, Rick Rubin creating Wildflowers moment. That's what I want. I want her to have somebody that comes in and like, perfectly crystallizes an idea that she has and executes it perfectly because they don't know that Phineas really did that with this album. And that's the thing that I think is missing. I kind of agree. I think well, that Phineas is kind of my, my frustration here is I heard Phineas's solo album. Um, yeah. It's not good. It's not good. I'll say it's bad. Um, I, <laughs> I, in my discord server, I did a, I did a live reading of some of the lyrics. It was not fun. Um, um, not as good as my parody lyrics about a cat being hungry. That's for sure. <laughs> I actually completely agree. I think your parody lyrics were better. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I have no doubt. That was not a joke. Yeah, I know. Sorry, Phineas. <laughs> Long time listener of the podcast, Phineas. <laughs> I haven't really liked any of the things he's done without Billy. Uh, he did produce a Camila Cabello song on her 2019 album, and it's the best thing she's ever done. I'll, I'll go check that out. I don't remember listening to that album. You didn't. Miss I do think much. he'll grow as a producer. I think. I think that that's his future. I think he'll just he'll just produce other people's albums. I'm kind of okay with that. But yeah, I'm completely fine with. It. I don't think it needs to be anything more or less than that. But it does. It does require the two of them to kind of. And it's weird to say this about siblings. Break up a little bit, not forever, but temporarily dis, disband and go do things separately for a while. Do you think we're gonna get a Billie Eilish soon? Because this was a this was a quick two year turnaround time. I don't think we're going to get one for at least three or four years. I don't know. That's a that's a that is a good question. I don't think she's going to make us wait a Rihanna length of time. But like, 
I think it will be a little while, you know. She seems extremely ambivalent with fame and stardom. It might do her good just to take a little break for a little while. I mean, listen, uh, I understand completely. And again, like as somebody that also like has a lot of discomfort with their own body, I, I felt weird even saying like she has a body that feels like it's well built for singing. It feels like an insult and it's not. But it's because of the way that everybody else talks about her body that sucks so much that it makes it really hard to exist in the public eye. It makes it really hard to want to create art in a way that is meant to be mass consumed. Like that's really infuriating. In other words, it is entirely the public's fault. You are the problem. That's it. Gotcha. <laughs> no, I mean, that's it's a it's a cultural, it's a systemic and generational problem. Um, anyway. Uh, we've really, we've really talked and talked and talked and talked. Do you want to do the four questions? Is it four questions time? Yeah, I think it's four questions time. This is, I mean, great. It's the last episode of the year. We can run a little long. It's fine. Yeah. The people will forgive us. Please forgive the, us. There, there's not like a lack of interest in Billy or Olivia content <laughs> right I now. I think that's right. That's okay. Uh, we do four questions at the end of every episode, sort of firm up everything we've been talking about, hopefully like kind of just sum everything up, make us feel a little more comfortable about what we're doing. First question is, uh, one of these songs is going to be lost of time. It's going to go bye-bye forever. Uh, one of them will remain. Uh, I put it to you, uh, and we'll, we'll start with Mark, because he's the guest. Which one of these songs must remain, Mark, for the culture? It's going to be happier than ever, but I like Good For You more. Todd? I don't know. Like, you know, it's hard to judge these things, at the end of 2021, it's a, the, these songs have only existed for like less than nine months at the most. I feel like Good For You might have a lot of legs, but I, I think I also have to go with Billie Eilish on this one. Like, I feel like this is going to mean more to, to more people. Like, this is going to be embedded deep down in a lot of people's souls versus Good For You, which is, all you know, is going to be a very good pop song for a long time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think that they'll both get a little... I mean, actually, I guess Good For You will get more karaoke play um, because you don't have to listen to the, the slower beginning for a really long time um, There is because there isn't one. Um, but I don't know. Again, having watched half an hour of people just have, like, beautiful, cathartic, emotional meltdowns to the second half of Happier Than Ever, uh, it's really hard to vote against it. So, yeah, I think for the culture, that's the one that's got to stay. Uh, all right, so we've got, I guess, a, a yeah, uniform Yeah, it's pretty opinion. unanimous, yeah. Great. Question number two, you could be a fly on the wall. You can experience soup to nuts, everything, including the music video, uh, creation of one and only one of these two songs, which is the one that you want to know all the ins and outs. What, what's the one that you want to actually see how the sausage is made, Mark? I kind of say happier than ever. I want to know what the hell went through Phineas's mind when he was producing the guitars like that. And like the thing is, I can I can kind of get where like the good for you music video is funny. Like it's Jennifer's body quasi homage in the video with the and with the sort of the cheerleader high school affect, which led to another great mashup I saw with that song. And that's what I want from Lil Nas X. (laughs) That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. The two of them are in the same class. It fits. Um, But I also think that happier than ever, I just. There's a part of me that wants to get into Phineas's production mindset, especially as I think he's going to stick around. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I wish that I could like, man, if I not a fly on the wall, I wish I was like a, 
like a ghost that could briefly possess him and like just move the dials around a little bit. <laughs> um, that's cheating, but uh, yeah. uh, but I also really I like the the music video for 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 that one too. Uh, Happier than ever, which I know Billy directed, and I think it would be kind of fun to actually watch her do the whole process of that. I think that she's just such a, a brilliant mind creatively, um, and has a real command and understanding of of how to match um, music with visuals. So for me, it's Happier than ever, Todd. Well, I mean, I already did watch her uh, write Happier Than Ever in the documentary. So I guess that's true. I mean, that's a a big way to cheat, Todd. (laughs) Had that had that song even uh, dropped yet when they dropped the documentary? How like I remember that. I don't think so. I don't think it had. No, I only caught up with it last night in preparation for this. uh, This episode and what I got from it is I would watch Billie Eilish do quite a lot as a creative person because like, I didn't realize how like much input she has over basically everything she does. Like these are all her ideas, not just her songs, but her, you know, her videos and all that. And she has like a lot of ideas and a very good sense of what she does. So it was like, it was pretty fascinating to watch that unfold. So yes, I would absolutely pick happier than ever again. Wow. See, it's doing great. Now you oh, yeah. begin, now you begin to understand why it. why yeah. my opinion is correct. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, all right. So the third question, uh, truly one of my all-time faves, and this would be a very interesting one, I think, for both these songs. Megan the Stallion. Going to get up to some hot girl shit, as she does. Uh, before she goes out, she's going to prepare by listening to a mix that's going to include one and only one of these two songs. Which one of these songs, now and forever, is hot girl shit? Good for you. Mark. Good for you. This is not close. It actually has a groove, and if she wants to twerk in her kitchen, she can. That's a good argument. Todd? It's certainly the more energetic song. That's certainly the one that screams good night out to me. I feel like she probably likes happier than ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think if she was like, just driving somewhere in her car, not for hot girl shit purposes, but like, yeah. you know, she's got, she's got to go do jury duty and she's pissed off about it. You know, <laughs> definitely listening to happier than ever just to fucking to get it, to, to get it out of her system. But that's what driver's license is for. Oh, I, <laughs> I love driver's license. This would have been a lot harder for me if it was driver's license as the, as the other song, to be honest with that's you. That's a good song. That's a really good song. It grew on me. I, Honestly, I I've, Great, great song. And the, what's cool about it, if you, I, I noticed that like um, there are advertisements that take the, the 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 singing part out and just have the music in the background. And what I didn't realize until I heard it that way is that there's something about how the the notes go upward um, that it's it actually is a very hopeful sounding song despite what the lyrics are, which is magic. It's a it's a really cool balance. It's this little like back and forth, like the the lyrics are doing one thing and then the song, the sound of the song is doing something very different. Um, anyway, that's for maybe a different episode. But I, I, I would say I think if it's hot girl shit, to me that's about fun. It's about dancing around in your underwear. And so I think that absolutely Olivia Rodrigo wins that one. I mean, I, I, I kind of can't really imagine Megan being too into either of these things because they're both very hurt. And I, I feel like Megan is just like, that's not her per personality. You're right. Get- Megan, these stallions never been hurt before. <laughs> 
No, I think that she gets it. I, I respectfully yeah. disagree. Um, all right. Now, now for the fourth and most important question, not just of our show, but of all questions ever. Uh, William Shatner, uh, toupee wearer in the past. Yes. His real hair now, I believe. Uh, actor, most definitely singer. Jury remains out, but he definitely thinks that he is. And I, you know, who am I to argue uh, at these proceedings? Um, he's going to do a William Shatner for one, a William Shatner version of one of these songs, and only one. Uh, for now and for all time, which one of these songs must be shat upon Mark? I feel it has to be uh, good for you in this particular case because. I again, this ties back to what I said earlier. I think happier than ever affords him too much dignity. <laughs> <laughs> this Call man's been again. to space. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was in well, fake space and then he was in real space. Mark, how dare you? I mean, well, I, I said it uh, already that uh, Olivia Rodrigo is an actor, she performs like an actor. So, really. Part of the work is already done for Bill. I mean, I yeah. I agree. I do think that that now that I realize, boy, this is this is the error of doing four questions is that we find ourselves at a tie um, <laughs> a lot of the time. Come up with Frustra- a fifth question for us. I, I agree. Yeah, just so we need more questions. I'm sure that everyone will love that. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it. I do think it has to go to 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 good for you. Although it does make me wish that William Shatner would do his own version of the You're the Man Now Dog dramatic reading of a breakup letter. I think that's what wins for me. I'm sure he's on camera. You make me touch your hands for stupid reasons. (laughs) I mean, isn't he on cameo at some point? I'm sh- I mean, I don't know if he needs it. I mean, that, 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 <laughs> those that, space walks aren't paying for themselves. <laughs> no, nah, that, that, that man's that man's loaded. He's he's like I think he's got sentient horses made of gold that he just rides around. You know, um, I don't know that he needs cameo. If, but if you ever do, Bill, <laughs> and I know you listen to the podcast and are a big fan of the show, um, absolutely would pay you to 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 do good for you. All right, or, we, or a dramatic reading of a breakup letter. Anyway, uh, all right. Do you want to do the? Uh, let the okay, actual reader. intelligent people speak. All right. AKA our our commenters. Yes. Well, I'm, boy, we're going to start off right away. Mark, as you know, sometimes on Twitter, I'll go, well, what was the worst three seconds of the year? Yep. Uh huh. Well, okay. Our first comment, like within seconds of me putting this up on the poll, comes from Lindsay Ellis, who says, I couldn't answer you on Twitter, but the answer to the worst three seconds in pop this year is is like a damn sociopath. Lindsay. Thank thank you for your comment. Lindsay, is it? Yeah. Terrible. Uh, Yes, I, yes, it was the first thing that I saw and I laughed out loud because I feel like we've all, we've all kind of had this discussion about like, I remember when the, the Loki series was airing and people were talking about the idea of Loki as a narcissist and the way that people will like misdiagnose for funsies Right? Like the armchair yes. psychology of things. And like, I know it drives me crazy. And I know Lindsay fucking hates it too. Um, and so when I read that, I was like, oh my God, yes, Lindsay is correct. As, as, as she so often is. And, uh, but, and as, as is so often the case, uh, yes, I felt like we shared a brain in that moment. I don't know. For what Nelly it's- referring himself to the, bl- as the black Tom Brady still pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> um, 
for what it's worth, it, it, it wasn't just these three seconds. I have talked with our dear friend, Lindsay, a bunch of times, and she just absolutely loathes Olivia. Like, oh, wow. I don't know if I should be spoiling that. She doesn't need that. Maybe I'll have Paul. No, no, this no. Apart. Lindsay doesn't <laughs> need that this. smoke, man. <laughs> yes. let, let our friend live. <laughs> anyway. Yep. <laughs> Continue. Go on. All right. Kyle Boyd writes, Billy is only about a year older than Olivia, and it feels like these songs have a decade's difference in maturity. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Again, like, that's, yeah, that's why I said that one sounds like something created by someone who is in therapy and the other one sounds like the therapy. That's kind of what I meant. Well, you know, I I watched the documentary and I've always thought Billy seemed very mature for his age, for her age. And I still think that. But I was like kind of blown away watching it. I was like, oh, my God, she's so young. She's so young. Like, she's such a teenager. She's just a ve- <laughs> Much smarter teenager than Olivia, I guess. At least at this point. We're all growing. We're all growing. (laughs) All right. Jacob Ielsen says, let's put it this way. I could live with being who good for you was about, but I don't think I would ever recover if I knew that happier than ever was written about me. See, I'm not sure I agree with I'm not sure I agree with that because the guy is currently, he calls again drunk in his Benz. He has a Benz. (laughs) <laughs> no I, I i feel pretty beaten to the ground i mean that's how i felt uh watching uh the the documentary because he's in that too and you get to see the breakup and everything and i was like i'm just watching like man i would not want to be that guy i mean granted he does seem like a shit but i was like man you're things are about to suck for you here's what i know uh and I will say no more about it after this, but um, a, a, a man who's in his early 20s dating somebody who is still very much a teenager is is not going to really get a lot of sympathy out of me. Like, I don't, and the fact that Billie Eilish comes across as the far more mature of the two is pretty damning. Yeah. All right. Anywho, anywho. <laughs> Lausrit writes, the first half of Happier Than Ever sounds like a boring cover of the second half of Happier Than Ever. <laughs> No, they're two very different songs, I think. I would agree. All right. Cherry Cola writes, these songs rule, boys drool. I like it. I like the simplicity there. Yeah. I feel like there's not going to be a lot of argue. Like, if you like one, you probably like the other. Is a, I don't think there's much competition here, honestly. The interesting thing is, I, I remember when you were posting it, you posted a quick, like, shout out about it on Twitter recently. And the debates mm-hmm. in Twitter in comparison with your Patreon stuff is very different. Uh, well, how so? Um, there's a lot more people who are, from what I can tell, a lot more people are very, are more forgiving of uh, good for you on Patreon in comparison with Twitter, where it seems like happier than ever is running away with it. That makes sense. Well, right. I think that Patreon is a little more like a Discord in the sense that people are, are able to be a little more chill. There is no chill on Twitter.com. No. That is true. Not anyway. At all. Angela writes, as a former 13-year-old who got a lot of joy from early 2000s pop-punk music, my heart leans to good for you. And then at some point later, she added an edit. It's like, wait, I'm changing my vote after actually listening to Happier Than Ever all the way through for the first time. <laughs> 
I just assumed the song was languid and slow the whole time. I saw that comment and I, the very first time I read it, uh, it made me laugh. Like, uh, I think her name is Hazel, the, the witch from the Looney Tunes, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. So one of my followers on Twitter compiled a whole list of comments, uh, from the thing where it's like, I think this person didn't make it past the two minute mark. And there were like a bunch of them. I think that person's one in my of my Discord. critiques is that I think the first I think the first half of that song is a little too long. Oh, uh, just a little bit. Just like the song, this comment was also a tale of two halves. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. Callum O'Halloran writes, I've said it elsewhere, but I still stand by it. Good for you's infamous similarities to misery business makes a lot better sense. If you think of good for you as being from the perspective of the girl, Haley Williams is shit talking in misery business. Ooh. Fan theory. That's kind of what I've always traveled with. And that's why I'm like, you know, if Glee was a thing now, the two of them would be mashed up. It would be a thing that would happen, but it would never get cleared because Haley Williams hates misery business now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, I, you know, I was thinking about this a, a bunch, the, the the similarities and the fact that ultimately, you know, like good for you actually now has has a credit mm-hmm. uh, to two people for, from Paramore, uh, including Haley. Uh, and the the fact that like, we are living in this time where there's a lot of that going on because a lot of songs do sound similar to past songs, perhaps more so than ever, because songs are not, you know, terribly complex. It's more in the production where the, the differences arise. Um, and, you know, I Happier Than Ever is, is great, but I was listening to it and literally, I think maybe an hour before we recorded, I was like, why? This has been bothering me. The second half of the song sounds so, does sound familiar to me. Um, if you really, this is so specific. I'm sure there are other things that also sound like it. But from the season four episode of Doctor Who, Turn Left, there is a song composed by uh, Murray Gold called A Dazzling End that is just a slowed down version of Happier Than Ever. They are virtually identical. Uh, li- listen to it, check it out, and you'll hear the similarities. They're very, very strong. Um, so, you know, I mean, like, there ain't nothing new under the sun. And even Billie Eilish, who was very original, has written something that did something within my own living memory was like, sounds very, very similar. Like, I don't think she stole it, but I do think that, you know, that's just how music is. Anyway. I, I honestly don't think it sounds that much like Misery Business much at all, honestly. Hmm. And I certainly don't think that other Olivia song she wrote that sounds like, allegedly sounds like Taylor Swift's Cool Summer. I don't hear that, like, even in the tiniest bit, like... I think this whole thing is bullshit. I kind of agree that there is some level of bullshit, but you can also really obviously tell that Taylor Swift inspired Olivia Rodrigo. So it's kind of, for me, I kind of like, I can see where if a lawyer got involved, it would be very annoying. Yeah. I, I hate this interpolation bullshit. I think it's such bullshit. I fuck you, Robin Thicke. <laughs> uh, Gal Hazor writes, that was the one I was going to do. <laughs> Go ahead. I heard that December is the best time to be a miser, so look, no amount of press or awards will convince me that a Disney star being mad at another Disney star for yet for dating yet another Disney star is great art. Is it? Yeah, there's a, there's also I I like that uh, he calls it good for you as a scrappy do of breakup songs, and uh, and then uh, said that uh, he voted for Billy partially because she finally used title case. <laughs> Which really made me laugh. But here's what I'm going to say. I, at first blush, that Disney star c- comment, I was like, yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. 
And here's what I thought. First of all, um, you were talking about this um, this sort of documentary that's on Apple Plus. However, there is a, a thing specifically for this album. It's like a like a sort of like her playing live at the Hollywood Bowl to nobody because we're still in the pandemic. Um, but it's called like Happier Than Ever, like a love song to Los Angeles or whatever. And uh, you could stream that now. Where? Why Disney Plus, ladies and gentlemen? And and as you may have pointed out yourself, Todd, on the, your episode about driver's license, uh, you and I both either appeared or made videos for a platform that eventually was owned <laughs> by Walt Disney. Uh, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is, aren't we all Disney stars and <laughs> yes. other Disney stars for dating yet <laughs> other Disney stars? Aren't we the Disney stars we met along the way? <laughs> well, there's that, but then yeah. I'm also thinking like, how can you really say that? And then in any way, talk about Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. Yeah. I think I just felt like I looked at it and I was like, yeah. And then I was like, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was the sum entirety of what I thought. One last one. Franco Del Rosario writes, Happier Than Ever is a more compelling song because the guy, the bad guy that Billy sings about, sounds like a horrific grade A douche bucket. Jake Gyllenhaal, Joshua Bassett, and Simon Konecki should all be sending that dude thank you cards, seeing as those, <laughs> <laughs> those three are no longer in the running to be the worst ex to be blasted in a breakup song in 2021. Oh, that's like comment of the year. Yeah. That was so good. Oh, well, it's one of those guys. The guy, worth, it's you, one of those guys with the guy that broke up with Adele. Yes, the uh, last one is Simon Konecki yeah. is Adele's ex, mm-hmm. and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is of course Taylor Swift's ex from All Too Well. Uh, Joshua Bassett is a song that we're Olivia talking Rodrigo, about for you yeah. is about, and I, I I think you can add probably Rustin Kelly to that. That is a. Uh, Casey Musgraves X. Uh, here's the thing with that. I'm a. I know. I know you don't like that album. No, I actually think that album's like the Starcrossed is mid. It's Casey's worst album, comfortably. Um, yep. But I'm a huge Rustin Kelly fan. I've seen him live, um, and he makes he makes the sort of thing where I listen to Starcrossed and I'm like, you know what? Nothing. Nothing Casey says is wrong, but Rustin's also will say all this about himself as well. Yeah, I think that's right. But mostly as far as that album is concerned, uh, that also had like a a, a movie to go along with it, which appeared where? Paramount Plus. And that is exactly the quality (laughs) of that album. It's a real Paramount Plus album. Bam. Okay. Sorry, Casey. I love you otherwise. (laughs) I think we've uh, knocked that out. It is is time for the results. And... Coming into this, I had absolutely no clue who was going to win. Okay. I think it's close, but I th- uh-huh. I think Good For You just edges out. Okay. For a total of 401 to 348, the winner by a 54-46 margin is, in fact, Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo. So good for you, <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> Wild, to yeah. Me. Definitely did not think that that I mean, it's was, was going to go. I suspect. I mean, it's a fondly remember. You know, it's a big hit. It's been big. You know, you hear it on the radio all the time. People like God it. Damn, I certainly hear it more than happier than ever. It's yeah. I think it's just that for me, like you know, it's the difference between a song that starts great and a song that ends great. What can I say? It's brutal out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to Song versus Song. Oh, that's it for us, 2021, except, of course, for our bonus episode, which we will be doing 
uh, I guess uh, sometime this month. We do one bonus episode every month that you guys vote on. And if you want, you can donate a dollar to us on Patreon. You get the entire backlog. I think this week, what are we what are we doing this month? Uh, well, as of now, it's that thing you do. We'll that see thing if you that, do. We'll see We're if that holds. Uh, but before we do all this stuff, uh, Mark, you've had a hell of a time. Please, please, please just promote the shit out of yourself. You really, really extra deserve well, thank, it. Thank yes. you. I appreciate the giving the living hellscape where I can actually say my 2021 may have been worse than 2020. Um, <laughs> I didn't have hot water for four months. I'll just say that. Uh, but, but where but, can people yeah, find you? Different conversation. Um, you can find me on YouTube at Spectrum Pulse, where I talk about music, movies, art, and culture. Most recently, I've got another nine albums to cover before the end of the year. But then I have my year-end list where I'll be going through the worst hits, the best hits, the best songs, and the best albums. The last two are top 50. I'm looking forward to getting through all of those. Um, I also have my subsidiary channel called Billboard Breakdown, where I break down the inanities and insanities over there. Um, years starting to cool down a little bit, but I got a Juice World album bomb that's posthumous likely coming on Tuesday. That'll be lots of fun. Let that let that poor kid rest. Yeah, exactly. What All are right. we What are we doing? Oh, oh and, and and give us a dollar if you can. Uh, to to our to our. <laughs> If you want all the bonus episodes, it costs a buck and nothing else, and you get the backlog of everything else we've ever done. That's the pitch for it. Uh, Todd, what is the first episode of 2022 going to be? It's just one I've been wanting to do for a long time. I can't believe we haven't done it yet. This is like the first song versus song poll I ever put out before I turned it into a podcast. We will be doing One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies versus Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. Holy Get shit. Get ready for words. Lots and lots of words. Uh, I know which one I think deserves to win, but... Yeah, but nobody well. cares. Mark, you're not in that episode. <laughs> oh, man. All do, right. Do, do, we will do, see do, you do, in 2022, do. y'all. Bye. Peace. Bye. Bye.